0: It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my ball. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. It's Columbus Day. Why the hell am I here? Kids get the day off. The hell are we working? You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me, shirtless Tom behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter, at FBomber73, at pusher 970 The Pittsburgh Steelers won, and the Pittsburgh Steelers played defense. Is it 2008? It's been a bad football season for the boys in black and gold. The defense has stunk. Everyone was patting them on the back last week for only giving up 26 points at home to a Baltimore Ravens team quarterbacked by Joe Flacco has been good in five years. That's how bad the rest of the season has been. You tie the Cleveland Browns who are okay, but they're not good. You turn the balls over six times there. If you turn it over one or two less times, you definitely win the game. If you make the field goal at the end of the game, you definitely win the game. You go to Tampa against a hot team, but not a good team. Don't score in the second half and almost cough that one up at the end. This Pittsburgh Steelers football season has been a train wreck. Did the train reset the course yesterday? That's the question, because they were damn good yesterday. They looked like an AFC contender yesterday. They looked like the team we all thought that they might be yesterday. But the question and the theme, really, of today's show is consistency. Can they do that week in and week out? I'm going to say no until I see it for, how about back-to-back weeks first? Boy, did they show they had balls, though. I didn't think they did. I thought this was going to be the worst season of Ben Roethlisberger's career. I didn't think the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to go down with a fight. And it looks like if they do go down, they've at least gone down fighting. They ran the football. Yay! They played great defense. Huh? And they affected the game on special teams. Now, we've seen this from the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last few years. They were 3-2 and two and bounced all the way back to make the playoffs last year with 13-3. and three. They were 4 and 5 2 years ago and bounced all the way back to make the playoffs at 11 and 5. This year, as I already detailed, 1 2 and 1 and for the first time when their backs were against the wall, they played like a team that we thought that they could be. All three sides of the ball were excellent and it was close until late in the third quarter when Ben found AB for the touchdown. I think that that juiced the squad. Did you see the way Ben celebrated? I bet he felt like the team was living up to expectations for the first time all year. And if he did feel that way, well, he felt that way correctly. On defense, they sacked Matt Ryan six times. He had his ankle x-rayed today. They stopped the run. They took the ball away. On special teams, they blocked the punt. They were a desperate team yesterday. And it showed. They also gave up less than 24 points for the first time in eight games at home. They took a 13-point lead. They'd been outscored. 56-0 if you combine the scores from the Jacksonville, Kansas City, and Baltimore games. They put up 40-plus. I thought that would be a necessity to win the game. It was a complete effort. Can they do it consistently? Teams aren't always what they look like at first blush. Players, teams, coaches, they're all allowed to get better. Can this team go on the road and beat Cincy the way that they always do? Can they get to the bye week at 3-2-1 and one, and get back in a position to win the AFC North? Did they do enough to make you breathe and for the first time think, <sighs> maybe it's not so bad? 412-922-2874, tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. If it sounds like I'm gargling something, it's just a cough drop, don't call the FCC. James Conner did what I asked him to do against Atlanta. And again, the theme of the show being consistency. Now it's time for him to do it again and again and again and again. That's what a bell cow bag does. Every week, UPMC airs their James Conner commercials during Steelers games. You can't stop him with a linebacker. Not even cancer can stop him. Well, lately, the only thing that hasn't stopped him is cancer. I I called him out last week. I said it's time for him to put on his big boy pants. He hadn't been good enough. 3.03 yards per rush since the Browns game. Well, he got after it early and often on Sunday, 43 rush yards, 29 receiving on the first drive. He scored a touchdown to open that song bitch. Talk about setting a tone. That's what you got to do. Atlanta's defense is pus. It's because they're banged up. It's not an excuse, it's a reason, but the Steelers don't have to feel bad for them, and they didn't. They knew they could run, and they did. And that was the question mark. Is the Steelers' team good enough to run when they want to run? And against a team that's this bad against the run, you sure as bleep better be able to. And they did. 131 yards. That's a good day at the office. 29 carries for the running game. 29 throws for Ben Roethlisberger. Everyone, please, cover Mike Leach's ears. We've got balance. We've also all got the one friend who we can tell everything to, right? All of us. You have someone you confide in. Someone who will listen to all your problems. Calm you down when you need to talk. Tell us to shut the bleep up when they need to. Steady us. Be our rock. Mine's my wife because I'm a nut job. She helps me hold it together. She settles me down. She's a break to my gas pedal. That's what the running game is to this team. And it really always has been. The Steelers were 4-5 and five two years ago, so they kept running the ball, finished 11-5. Last year, they're 3-2, and two, so they gave the ball to Bell. When things look turbulent... When you don't have an identity and everything seems chaotic, you turn to your best friend. I turn to my wife. The Steelers, they turn to the running game. It's about simplifying things. Is it any coincidence that Brown went over 100 yards receiving when the Steelers ran the ball so damn well? No! Because when you run, you can use play action. And the Steelers were last in the league in using play action coming into this game. Well, Ben finds Antonio Brown 47 yards over the top TD It all seemed to come together, didn't it? In this league, every team is good, even the bad ones. Look at the Buffalo Bills. Every team is capable of pulling out a win. It's teams that have an identity, a plan that win consistently. It's probably easy for Randy Featner, first-year offensive coordinator, to walk into the room, look at all his weapons, and think, hmm, let's tinker a bit. I'm going to use Ryan Switzer. He's a little guy. He's a water bug. He's twitchy. Let's use him. Let's throw the ball deep to James Washington. Let's throw the ball to Vance McDonald, to Jesse James. We've got a great offensive line. Let's find a way to get A.B. in, too. Let's use everybody, right? That's what he's got to be thinking. But when you think like that in your first-year offensive coordinator, you might do a lot of things, but you're not good at any one particular thing. It's the teams that are, that can branch off of that, that win consistently. Screw tinkering, run the ball. Do something well, and then branch off of that. If you can run the ball, it opens up everything else. Yes, I know it's 2018, and teams are chucking it like crazy. But think about the good teams in the NFL, and think about the struggling teams in the NFL. The Chiefs, they've got Hunt. Pretty good, huh? The Rams have Gurley. That's worked out okay. The Patriots struggled until they've started to turn around and hand the ball off to Sonny Michelle. The Vikings, they got Dalvin Cook back, but he hasn't been right. He hurt his hamstring, and they've really struggled without the running game. Running is important. Good at one thing slows everything else down. This is the Steelers' formula for success. Think about what they did statistic-wise. They ran for nine first downs. They were also 9 of 12 on third downs. Why? It's pretty darn easy to see why, huh? Manageable down and distance. It ain't that hard to figure out how they can get back to being good. Back to James Conner. He was a man in this game. Don't look at his hair. Look at the body and look at the way he was finishing. Whoa. He finished forward. He ran through contact and arm tackles. He hit the hole, jeez, quickly, and it showed. He also showed that burst. But this was also about the offensive line being better than the unit had showed it's been this season. When healthy, it doesn't get better than this in the league. Alejandro Villanueva, good player. Ramon Foster, good player. Marquise Pouncey, potential future Hall of Famer. David DeCastro, all-pro player. Marcus Gilbert, should have been in the Pro Bowl the last two years, probably shouldn't have taken steroids, that probably hurt his chances last year. When the five of them are healthy and playing, this Steelers offensive line is as good a unit as there is in the league. Not just offensive line units, as good of a unit as there is in the league. And they hadn't shown it until yesterday. Matt Filer playing right guard didn't cut it. He was fine. You don't win with fine. B.J. Finney playing. He was actually right guard. Matt Filer was right tackle. Doesn't matter. You're not winning with that. You don't win with fine. You win with great. And the Steelers have a great offensive line. And they finally showed it. Again, Atlanta's front seven, not good. Atlanta's entire defense, frankly, sucks. But you have to set the tone against a team like that. You have to show them, our big dudes are better and bigger than your big dudes. And we're going to shove it up your ass. And they did. They now need to do it every week. They have that ability. Now it's about being consistent. I was calling everyone and their mother out last week. I called out Cam Hayward, called out Stephon it and hey, we had a Cam Hayward sighting. Cam had one and a half sacks. Welcome back to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cam. Good to see you. I know he's the conscience of this team. I know he's being double teamed left and right, and really, I blame The defensive coordinator, Keith Butler, for the struggles more so than I'll blame Cam Hayward. But I called him out because he wasn't winning his matchups. They didn't get enough pressure on the quarterback while rushing three or four. So what does our dude, Keith Butler, do this week? I can't remember whenever he didn't rush five. He said, you know, it didn't work last week. Rushing three and four, let's rush five. Let's get the quarterback on the ground. And they did, and Cam Hayward was productive. This week, the Steelers got six sacks. We'll get to the scheme end of it coming up more around 440. But execution-wise, it will not get better for the Steelers' defense than this all season long. They will not play a better game as a defense than they did yesterday. They might run into a team and they'll put up better numbers. Maybe they'll sack a dude seven times. But to do that, to that offense, that means something. Say all you want about the Atlanta defense sucking. It does. The offense does not. And I'd put Atlanta's offense up there with even the Rams and the Chiefs. They're putting up 30 a game. They got Julio Jones as their third best receiver right now. They're a pretty stout outfit, huh? Devontae Freeman finally comes back and the Steelers said, eh, you'll score 17. And your quarterback's going to have to get an x-ray. And you're only going to be able to run the ball for 65 yards. And we're going to turn you over and force some points that way. Steelers' defense was excellent. There's nothing to knock about the Steelers' defense except that they didn't play like this the week before against Baltimore. And a lot of that does boil down to scheme. And as I mentioned, we'll get to that a little bit later. Speaking of defense, this is a distant topic B for the show today. But the Penguins' defense and goaltending are concerning. This just in, though, they've got 80 games to figure it out. Mike Sullivan had the team practicing for 90 minutes today. Mike Sullivan had a canceled practice yesterday, be uncanceled. So they'll be practicing again tomorrow. They're trying to kink these things out or iron these kinks out, pardon me, kinky, before they become habits. They'll be fine, though. That's all the time I'll waste on that. Coming up next, we've all dealt with bad Wi Fi before. AB, Ben, they ain't connected still. Still! Despite the 100 yard receiving day by Antonio Brown. I'll explain more. It's a Crowley show. This is the Adam Crowley show. Enough! I'm putting these back in my pants. They're mine.
1: The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh.
0: A lot of people have wanted to place the Ben Brown Wi-Fi connection on both players AB isn't in the right spot Ben's just a little off they aren't on the same page I don't see it that way now they did look like they were closer to being on the same page yesterday but they ain't there yet we you got pretty decent Wi-Fi at my house. But every time I whip out the laptop at home, it connects to Xfinity Wi-Fi. I think everyone's got that problem, right? Everybody has that problem. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. It doesn't matter how good your 5G technology is. It's trying to latch on to somebody else's Xfinity Wi-Fi. It doesn't make any sense. And anytime I'm in public with my phone, it wants to connect to Xfinity flipping Wi-Fi. So even with the strong connection, there could be blips. That's what we're seeing right now. But I'm not putting it on both players. I'm putting it on Ben. Quite simply, he's missed a lot of throws. Yesterday, case in point, he had Antonio Brown wide open on a drag route. He'd still be running if Ben put it on target, but he threw it over his head. People say, well, he had pressure in his face. It's not an easy throw to make. No, it's not. But remember the end of the Tampa game? When Ben had pressure in his face, was rolling to his right, threw the ball across his body to the middle of the field, perfect dime to Juju Smith-Schuster, do that there. Except with less effort, because it wasn't as hard of a play. You're running in that direction, just loop it over the mother bleeper's head into the hands of Antonio Brown, who would still be running. That is a microcosm of everything that's been going wrong with Ben and AB all season long. That's the M.O. Now, it was much better in the second half, but Ben still only hit Antonio on six of his 13 targets. That's less than 50%. That's not good enough. If you want some statistics that back up Ben Roethlisberger not being good enough right now, and I know it sounds nitpicky. It's not. It's just realism. Ben's passer rating yesterday was 112. Played well. Largely. Missed some throws, but played well enough to win. On the season, Ben's quarterback rating is 93.2. His career has him at 94, so you'd think, Oh, Crowley, Ben looks to be as good as he's been his entire career. But I think the stats are misleading. In this 2018 NFL, he should have a better rating than 93.2. Tom, quick question. Yeah. Is Eli Manning a bad quarterback right now? Uh, He is an awful quarterback right now. Ben's passer rating's worse. I take that back. Eli Manning is a great quarterback right now. Hall of Famer. Ben's quarterback rating is 19th in the National Football League. 23 quarterbacks have a rating of 90 or higher. This is a year where bad quarterbacks look good and good quarterbacks look great, and Hall of Fame quarterbacks are putting up the best numbers of their career. Ben needs to be doing the same thing. Now, he is 36 years old. Earlier in his career, he was getting... Molested on every single play. Uh, Ben was hit more than any quarterback in football, not named David Carr. So I'm guessing that the early season rough-and-tumble nature of the league and his game has come back to affect him later in his career. But you're not allowed to hit quarterbacks now, which we'll get to later on. You're not allowed to hit receivers who catch the football. Everything sets up in your favor. You have to be putting up the best year of your career. You have to be better than you've ever been before. And this isn't nitpicking. Again, this is reality. They need him to be a superstar because the defense, while it's getting better, still has obvious flaws. Think about the Baltimore game. Everyone was saying that was a win for the defense. The offense lost that game. Now, I can buy it to an extent, but the defense still gave up 26 points at home, and they were down 14-0 early. That's not doing a good enough job. If that's what we see a lot of, Steelers defense holding to field goals a bunch in the second half and holding teams to 20, 25, 26 points, then Ben is going to need to be better than he's been. Ben was not good enough last week. He's been inconsistent. The entire team has been inconsistent. And yes, even though Ben and A.B. are getting better, it was Antonio's first 100-yard game of the year, they need that connection if they want to be a playoff team. Despite my critiques, though, it was closer to looking how it's supposed to look yesterday than it's been at any other point throughout the season. And you know what helps? It really all comes down to one thing for me, the offensive line. I brought it up in the first segment. It's helped the running game get going. The running game getting going has helped the offense as a whole. But Ben Roethlisberger, as I said, got hit a bunch early in his career. He didn't get hit at all now. Six times over the last two games. He's only been sacked one time over the last two games. In Atlanta, while they stink on defense, can do one thing well, and that's pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. They didn't do it. The Baltimore Ravens are good at getting after the quarterback. Ever heard of Terrell Suggs? He's drooling somewhere right now. They get after the QB. Even they didn't. This offensive line is special. Two games in a row they protected Ben. One game now they've run the ball successfully. Use that line. Let it become your strength. And win football games that way. And Ben doesn't have to force it so much either. A couple of years ago the Steelers didn't have an identity. They... Came off a win, and they were playing Houston, and they were 3-2. and and This was the first game Martavis Bryant ever played. Tom's laughing. I tell this all the time. Love the Houston story. Yeah, the Houston story is a good one. And Ben, one of the reasons why they weren't good enough, didn't have an identity, is because he was chucking the ball down the field and turning the ball over left and right. So he dumps the ball off one time, shadow of his own goal line. Tom probably likes that line the best. Who do you dump it off to? Le'Veon Bell. Oh, daddy. What did he do with that ball? He took it 50 yards. Whew. And then I think something sort of clicked for Ben. If you want to have big plays, you don't always have to do it yourself. You don't always have to chuck it 40, 50 yards down the field. You've got playmakers that can help you while being efficient. You don't have to take risks to be rewarded. And I thought we saw a lot of that yesterday. There were big-time throws made by Ben Roethlisberger. He chucked that deep one to Antonio Brown. But the first drive of the game showed, Ooh, I can dump the ball off to this little James Conner dude, and he'll take it 29 yards, which he did. And I think from that point forward, Ben really settled down. Of course, the one obvious time he did not was when he threw the interception just prior to the first half ending. I mean, that was atrocious. That kind of crap's got to be out of his game. The Steelers wound up blowing that team out. But if they don't, we look back to that possession and we think, Ben, you're a Hall of Fame quarterback who doesn't have a great defense. You've got to make a play there or throw the ball out the back of the end zone. Those are the two options. You make a safe play or you throw it out the back of the end zone. But I think Ben is going to realize he doesn't need to take that many risks when James Conner can run after the catch, when A.B. can run after the catch. They think Switzer can run after the catch. We'll still have to wait and see on that one. Juju can run after the catch. He had a 97 yarder last year. He doesn't need to win it all by himself. He just needs to distribute the ball effectively and not turn it over. And the defense might, might be good enough for that to be okay. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. You people never want to call when they win. A ah, bunch of Fairweather fans. You cry and bitch and you moan when they lose but when they win you don't want to call me and talk about that that's fine Steelers need to be better at home this is usually when people call in Tom loves that line too he's smiley today he's really giving me energy and I'm sick I'm dying I said going into the week that Cam Hayward needed to be better TJ Watt needed to be better James Conner needed to be better yes 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 Keith Butler needed to be better yes we'll get into that coming up in about 10 minutes here on the show I also said they need to be better at home because they'd fallen behind 21-0, 21-0, 14-0 in their last three home games. In this one, fast start, went up 13-0 early. Boswell, make a damn extra point. The pick kicker's kicking him from 54 and 55 yards at a monsoon, and you can't make an extra point. They scored the touchdown on the James Conner drive, TM. That's what we'll call it. Then they forced a punt after a third-down sack on the first defensive possession. Then Juju puts him up two scores. And that makes Atlanta one-dimensional. It makes it easier to get after the quarterback. The offense then feels like it doesn't need to be perfect. Golly, playing with a lead helps everything. Just like playing from behind can be a kiss of death. Not only did they need the fast start, they also needed to play well at home. They've got Jacksonville, New Orleans, Oakland, Cincy, Denver, Baltimore on the road. All those games will be tough. Jacksonville's defense is unbelievable, and I know that they just lost to the Chiefs, but this one will be in Jacksonville. New Orleans, I don't care if their team sucks. It's a tough place to play. And by the way, their team doesn't suck. Oakland, their team sucks. Tough place to play. It's a baseball field. Cincinnati, always win there, but they're 4-1. and They're looking like the universe is upside down. Denver, they just gave up 300 rushing yards, but it's hard to breathe out there. And Baltimore, on the road, never easy. So all those games are going to be difficult. So you got to protect Hines as much as possible. They've given up 24 points or more in seven straight home games. That's done now, which is unbelievable given the competition. They get after the quarterback. They made it hard on the road team. You get up early at home, it's so tough for the other team to come back. And if you can win your home games, then it means you don't have to go into all those different road games that I mentioned before and expect to win or need to win. That win was huge in that regard. Because going into it, I didn't think they were going to win. That's one that I put up there as an L because just not a very good football team. Well, they looked every bit like a good football team on Sunday. Now you got to show it consistently. You got to do it every damn week. You walk on the field at Heinz Field. And yeah, you got the Patriots later in the season. How about you win all of them up until the Patriots, and you see what happens there? That'll put you in a good spot to make the playoffs. The Steelers did what they needed to do and what they're supposed to do. Do you have faith that they can be consistent? 412-922-2874. <laughs> oh, no, I knew it was coming. 412-922-2874. Tweet me. At underscore Adam Crowley. That sounded gross. Coming up next, Keith Butler did what I asked coming into this game. And the post-fight brawl for the UFC, that was great. It's everything they could possibly want. And more. It's Crowley show. This is The Adam Crowley Show. Wow, 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 is very nice. ESPN Pittsburgh on 970 AM and 106.3 FM. into Keith Butler being a good defensive coordinator this week in a second. But first, uh, I didn't watch, admittedly, any of the UFC fight. But I did see all the post-fight stuff, and I think that that's why it's perfect for Dana White and UFC, right? Because I wasn't paying the money to watch that pay-per-view, but I'm talking about it on the day after the Steelers game. I I think that tells you how it kind of transcends the sports world right now, and how badass is Khabib when he just beats the snot out of Conor McGregor, who's one tough customer, but he's still got enough left in the tank to climb the fence and go out there and start kicking other ass. And then people jump in the ring and they start beating the crap out of Conor. It was glorious. You had Dana White say the governor of, was it Nevada? They're in Vegas, right? The governor just ran out of the building. That's... Not good. Oh, I, I I disagree here, partner.
1: I disagree wholeheartedly. If there's an event and the governor's running out of it, I want to be there, man.
0: Yes! <laughs> I want to see that. Dana White did it perfectly where he goes into the octagon and he whispers to Khabib, I'm not putting that belt on you because they'll throw stuff at you. <laughs> and he didn't put the belt on him and they threw stuff at him anyhow. Those Irish, I'll tell you what. They could chuck... Maybe they were kicking things. They like soccer. Gaelic football. Huh? There were videos in the concourse of Khabib's people fighting McGregor's people, and they've all got the Irish flag on their backs. None of those people are being allowed back in the country ever again. No, There's a bunch of beasts getting revoked. (laughs) Yes. Good luck with that. And I think Dana is hoping that the same thing doesn't happen to both of his fighters. Now, it won't, because the money that it grosses for the country is very doggone good, and for the state, but it got me talking about UFC, and I know it's barbaric, I know it's disgusting, but so is UFC. Uh, You watch what happens in the ring, and it really shouldn't be all that surprising that it spills out of the ring. You shouldn't be surprised when things start spewing out of my gullet today, too. You know what, though? Usually it's a controlled
1: art. These guys are like looking at it from a standpoint where it doesn't get crazy like this. Like, sure, there's rivalries and stuff like that, but this is kind of like, this is like a nice new level of things. It is. There's a pure hatred between these guys. It's not any kind of kayfabe si- stuff or anything like that. I mean, it's, they hate each other. And it's funny because McGregor talks so much S going into this he did. thing. Could you imagine getting your ass kicked after talking that much?
0: No. I mean, that's got to be humbling. I, I don't know if you can ever humble Conor McGregor. He's perfect for the sport because he's not the best fighter they have, but he's, without a doubt, unquestionably the best talker they have. So they need him, and now, because of the way things ended, because of the mayhem that spills out of the octagon, now you can easily set up the rematch, right? I mean, as long as they oh, get yeah. their visas, oh, yeah. we got Rematch City. There's no doubt in my mind that if Khabib and Conor were just fighting in the street and it wasn't like a sanctioned event, Khabib would have killed Conor McGregor. Oh, you like, there was dead. A, yeah. Yes, there was a pure, like, violence in, kind of like how Brian said, a lot of this is, like, calculated sometimes. Yes. Like, they, that's why they called boxing the sweet science, you know? There's some strategy to it, and Conor fights that way, too. I'm not really a big UFC fan, but that's what I hear. This guy was just absolutely fighting with rage.
1: Khabib, Khabib, is that Khabib? H- H- like popcorn Khabib, stuck in your mouth. Khabib, Khabib. He is, he's got this silence to him that's scary. Like, dude doesn't say much. Dude just kind of sits there, might giggle a little bit, might have a little smile on his face. That's the dude you need to worry about. Yes. The dude that's not saying a damn word, <laughs> he's going to beat you. That's ass. the
0: scary mofo, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he, in the press conference afterwards, said he ripped my father, he ripped my religion, he ripped my country, so he was fighting with a rage, but he also doesn't think he did anything wrong. Instead of taking out all that rage just on McGregor in the octagon, that wasn't even enough for him. That's how pissed off he was. So pissed off that in a sport where you could take knuckles to head and you can knee a mother bleeper in the nose, he still didn't feel like he had exacted enough revenge on that guy. <laughs> it's beautiful for the sport, and I'll, I'll admit it. I am a candy ass. I am a snowflake. I can't watch it. I can't watch UFC. It makes me, I mean, I, Boxing is one thing. Boxing sometimes makes me queasy. This makes me go, ugh. But I'm watching the next one. They oh, got, got me. You got to,
1: man. You know what? It's, look, I get it. It's fighting. It's this. But it's less brutal than it appears. Like, you think about it with a boxing match. Like, yeah, there are padded gloves, but they're heavy padded gloves. Yes. And it allows you to get hit a lot more when you're getting hit with those gloves. Usually when the gloves start connecting to face on here, if it's repetitive, if it's like a ground-and-pound situation, fight's done like that. You know, you're not taking 70, 80 shots to your head before they have to call it. You know, it's, you're done. Right. And it's like, but. Boxing can be somewhat more brutal where it doesn't appear that it is.
0: Yes, and it looks more brutal for UFC when you've got two guys rolling around in a bloody octagon because someone's lip explodes, right? And then you get him on the ground, you got him in a headlock, double leg in the sun, bitch, (laughs) and his blood's everywhere. And the fight beforehand, if you saw highlights of that one or if you watched it, that one was even grosser. I mean, it was, oh my God, it looked like a Civil War hospice in there. I mean, it was just, it was awful. That's kind of what the Steelers' defense had looked like prior to Sunday's game. Uh, bloody hospital room. Carnage. Destruction. Not so much this week. Why? Not to toot my own horn again, but Keith Butler did exactly what I asked him to. They should promote me. And by promote me, I mean hire me and then promote me up the food chain so I could be the defensive coordinator or the motivator because I told James Conner to put his big boy pants on. I told Cam Hayward to put his big boy pants on. I said, you got to start playing well at home and put your throat or put your foot on the throat of somebody at home. And I also said, hey, Keith Butler, enough dropping guys back into coverage. Why don't we bring the damn blitz? I don't know if he rushed less than five guys the entire game. Six sacks on the day. What? Bostick, Hayward, LJ Fort. I thought they hurried Matt Ryan a lot. One of the guys you don't really think about much getting after the quarterback is Mike Hilton, the slot corner. That guy came off the edge six, seven, eight times and was affecting the plays. He times it up so well, he blitzed, and it worked. The identity of last year's defense was that they sacked the quarterback. They had the most sacks in franchise history, the most sacks in the league, And this year, they had done it sporadically. They did it a little bit to Fitzpatrick. They did it a little bit week one against the Cleveland Browns. They didn't do it at all against Baltimore, and it's because they were rushing four, rushing three, and dropping everyone else back into coverage. And I don't care who you are. If you're a National Football League quarterback, you are going to slice that up. It's so strange to me, though, that the game plan last week was don't get beat deep, death by a thousand cuts, see if you can force a mistake, when Baltimore has the weapons that they have. I mean, Baltimore has got good weapons, better weapons than Joe Flacco's had in a long time, but they don't have Atlanta's weapons. They don't have Julio Jones, they don't have Calvin Ridley. I wanted to say Sterling Shepard. He had a nice day the other day, too. They don't have Mohamed Sanu, they don't have Devontae Freeman, and yet the Steelers said, well, let's see if you can beat us over the top, we're going to bring the Heat and see what happens there. Now, maybe it's because they got up in the game. Maybe it's because they're up 13 nothing, and you think, okay, you're going to have to try to throw to get back into this thing. But at one point, at halftime, it's 13-10. to So, yeah, the Steelers are up, and you can bring pressure, but I thought the game plan was let's bring pressure all day long, and you know what? It worked. So kudos to Keith Butler, but with the positive, to me, comes a negative, and it's exactly what I'm saying. How does it happen like this, and then you look back at the Baltimore game and think it's the same defense? Yeah, they played better against Baltimore than they had the previous couple of weeks, right? But they still didn't play good enough to win. They gave up 14 points early. They gave up 26 points overall. How do you just sit back and let that happen to you? The big difference maker for me, apart from Keith Butler letting the dogs loose, is Joe Hayden. Steelers aren't a big matchup team. They don't usually say, cornerback, follow this receiver all day long. But the last two times they have, don't know where that came from. It's work. This week, no catches in the first half for Julio Jones. Didn't make plays when the game was really of consequence, right? When the game's done, then he starts making a couple of plays. The last time this happened was against Hopkins last year. was at Christmas. Against the Houston Texans, and in the first half, Hopkins did not have a catch. And at the end of the day, he wound up with 60 yards. At the end of the day, same thing, Julio Jones, around 60 yards. Maybe they found something there. Maybe Joe Hayden starts following the other team's best guy week in, week out. If you can cover Julio Jones that way, I think you can cover A.J. Green that way. I think it works out. So that allows you to have more confidence in your secondary. If one guy is always on lock than Artie Burns, he's going up against receiver number two. That's a much more advantageous position. Usually, they each line up on their opposite sides, and you say, okay, have at it. Well, now the Steelers are more matchup-oriented. At least this last week, they are more matchup-oriented, and I love it, Keith. Hey, four weeks too late, but hey, I like it. That's what you got to do. Joe Hayden was excellent. Hilton, I thought, was also a big key, created a bunch of pressure blitzing. He's also a good tackler, I think, for his size. And I bet Butler feels a hell of a lot better bringing pressure when he's on the field, even if he's not a blitzer. I'll tell you what, this is kind of what you hope they would look like this year. It's only one game. But to be able to shut down that offense, it shows you something. It shows you it's in there, right? It shows you they have the capability. One of the reasons you blitz is a lot of people think it's to bring one more guy than the offensive line can block. Sometimes that's the case. You see that, I think, more so in college. Rex Ryan's defenses used to do that a lot when he was with the Jets and with the Baltimore Ravens. I think Keith Butler does a really good job of bringing five guys on the blitz. It's not more guys than the opposition can block, but you're confused as to who's coming, and then it creates one-on-one matchups. Cam Hayward rushing in a four-man rush. Cam Hayward rushing in a three-man rush is going to get double-teamed. Well, if you bring five guys, Cam Hayward's not going to get double-teamed. He only has to win a one-on-one matchup, and guess what he's going to do almost every time? He's going to win that matchup. And we saw him do it a bunch of times yesterday, one and a half sacks. thought he was stout in the run game, too. They did a good job of bringing pressure, winning their one-on-one matchups, and allowing their players who do have high pedigree to do what they're supposed to do. And I think other than Cam Hayward, you can also point to T.J. Watt. I said it, put on your big boy pants, and he did. When he's good, he's great. When he's not playing well, he's invisible. Captain Obvious. Consistency is key with him. He was excellent yesterday, just fabulous, really. And again, if you bring pressure, it allows players to have one-on-one matchups. I trust T.J. Watt in one-on-one matchups. Had six sacks on the season. Now three came in two games, or pardon me, three came in one game against Cleveland. Three then in this last game. Again, this is why you need to bring pressure. This is why that should be the identity of Steelers defense because when that seems to be the identity, number one, the entire defense plays better. But it's because their key players are getting after the quarterback. If T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward are going to combine for four and a half sacks, you're going to win most of those ball games. If they're going to combine for a bunch of pressures, you're going to win most of those ballgames. How about L.J. Fort? Got the first sack of the game. It forced—it landed a punt. So then the Steelers had an opportunity to go up two touchdowns. He also recovered the fumble in the end zone. We've been waiting for not just sacks, but splash plays, as Mike Tomlin calls them, game-altering plays. That was one. He jumps on it in the end zone. But it wasn't just the flash plays for him that I thought that you you noticed him. It was a lot of little stuff, too. Maybe the layman's not noticing him there, but he winds up with six tackles, solid performance. And I don't recall more than once thinking, Tyler Maticavich, what are you doing out there? I mean, when he initially ran out there, that's exactly what I thought. Probably all of Steelers Nation. But he also, he handled himself well out there. Best defensive performance of the season, and if I had to bet, I'd say it's probably going to be the best defensive performance they'll have all year round. You give up 17 to that offense, you're capable of doing that against anyone, but I wouldn't expect them to replicate it again. What you do hope is that they're still able to create pressure, able to get the quarterback on the ground, able to create negative plays in the running game. The run defense was fabulous yesterday, too, and they gave up 65 yards. Those are the little things. Take the football away. You're going to give up some points. But do the rest of it, and I have faith that this football team is good enough to get close to the playoffs, if not knock down the door. 412 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up next, you've heard my thoughts on the game. Let's get Mark Caballese from The Athletic. He's next. Crowley Show.